What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And it is Wednesday, January 1st, 2020. And I'm spending it with the only person on the podcast I can imagine, Miss Natalie Zamudio. Natalie, how are you? Hello, Double G. I'm great, man. 2020 indeed. And I uh, can't wait to see how this year shakes out. But last year was pretty darn good. Uh, starting with, uh, well, we met each other at the beginning of last year. And yes. now look at us. <laughs> I know. We are almost about to have a one-year anniversary. It's yeah. so sweet and, you know, beautiful our story, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, in all honesty, you know what? Serendipity. Look how the smallest moments work out. Um, uh, you know what? I'm trying to think about it. And you know all this stuff. It's a new year. It's a new decade. It's a new month. It's a new... It's like I don't even... It doesn't even register in my mind that all that has happened. But at the end of the day, I swear, the temperature feels a little different from December 31st to January 1st. It doesn't matter that it's still the heart of winter. It doesn't matter that it's all in my head. It just always feels a little bit different. The sun just shines a little bit differently on the first of the year. It's a little warm. I I can only back you up on that because it's a little warm outside. Yeah, and it's just it's just always a weird feeling, but you know, it's a time to just you, you think about time, you think about life, you take stock and you move forward with it the way you're going to is how I feel about it, but certainly I hope everyone hope you had fun. I hope you were safe. I if you're listening to this, obviously you were. Um, but really just a great 2019. We're not going to get into all the fun stuff today. Because I wanted to make sure we give time for everybody to get in their last few uh, performances and all the last few fight cards. So that's why we're not take, doing the whole end of the year awards. That will be next week. This week's episode is actually a little bit quicker. And we're just going to talk about all of the New Year's Eve stuff. So let's get right into it. Natalie, Bellator. Bellator Japan, a.k.a. the Bellator versus Ryzen extravaganza. Let's talk with the one that, you know, us in the West really registered, and that was with Fedor versus Rampage. Um, I understand why people felt like it was a little bit of Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz, too, in terms of just uh, the performances. For me, it's a lot of different stuff. I feel like Rampage... I feel like it was a conscious choice to try to be a little bit bigger. That being said, I also want to give credit that it was Fedor having a vintage performance in Japan, in the arena he never lost in, the place where he became a legend. So I want to give credit where it's due. It was not all Rampage just had a bad uh, preparation strategy, so to speak. But I want to toss it to you. What are your thoughts on this uh, interesting fight? Interesting, yeah. Um, Rampage had a, clearly had a great Thanksgiving and a great Christmas. Um, he was uh, he was packing on the the, the pounds there, and, and he acknowledged it. But I don't think it was the right strategy. And apart from that, I don't know if it was the weight or not. He just didn't look like he was, you know, ready to fully participate in the event. You know, he kind of was moving around, looked a little amateurish. I thought if I didn't know this, who this man was, I'd think they just kind of pulled him off the street. The way he was moving, the way he was, 
Um, his reflexes were, were super, super slow. So it was a great night for Fedor. He looked, he looked fantastic. As you say, vintage Fedor in Japan, Saitama Arena. Like, you can't get any better than that for him. Uh, but, man, yeah, for me, the real takeaway was that Rampage just looked uninterested and unfocused, undedicated. So we'll see how it shakes out for him in the next fight. Maybe he's just tired, man. He's had a long career, and, and maybe he he's just ready to move on with his life. I don't know. It was it was definitely strange to me, but but fun to see Fedor get a win on the um, get a win after seeing him, you know, lose to Bader. And um, who else did he lose to? Mitrione. Has he even won in Bellator? I can't remember now. Actually, yeah, remember Chelson and Frank Mir? Oh, of the course, Grand Prix. of course. That hilarious like move that Chael Sonnen pulled where he tried to roll them over. That's right. That's a bad idea, man. But right. um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I think that um, I, I got to say, Fedor looked good. I feel like, look, he's a guy who never, ever shows it. And part of that is his demeanor and the translation. Look in his eyes. That man wanted to have a special night. And that's saying something for a guy who hides it very well like Fedor. And um, I want to give credit where it's due. I do think that if you ask him honestly, you know, take all the cameras out, he would tell you, yeah, I did want to show up and I did want to have the last emperor kind of night. I didn't want to have, you know, one of the ones that have happened in recent years. So I've got to give credit where it's due. I think mentally he wanted that win bad and he fought like it. Um, Rampage, uh, the, the big thing about the weight is that He's only five pounds more than he was for the fight with uh, Vanderlei Silva last year, which is just unreal to me to just even say that as a fact. But to me, I think that it just came down to, I feel like mentally he just didn't feel like it. It was, And he even admitted that he just didn't look good. Um, did it Was Fedor faster than he expected? Maybe. But I think that for me, it was just a strategy that, hey, you know what? You don't get to that number unless you know you are trying to be there on purpose you know you are trying to go in bigger with the expectation that you are kind of just gonna overwhelm him overwhelm him with your size you're gonna be too big his shots aren't gonna do the damage you're still gonna be able to walk him down that's the only reason so I do think that it was just a conscious decision it wasn't just you know what I'm gonna eat and as long as I'm under 265 I'm fighting I don't think he tried to blow it that bad, is my point, but it just clearly did not work out. I think that had he come in a bit lighter, he probably would have felt faster. He probably would have felt more like getting in the pocket and just throwing down with Fedor and having a legendary fight. It just didn't work out that way. Um, Fedor just, uh, and also that one shot, I mean, it was almost like a ghost punch. You almost didn't think that it had a lot of impact. But then Rampage is down and he has a good face plant. The ref saved him. Yes, he was protesting, but if you look at it, Rampage's hands are nowhere near his head as Fedor is loading up. So I was completely good with the stoppage. Yeah, I mean, wasn't he, you know, and, and he was protesting the stoppage, but it looked to me like he was basically saying, like, I don't want anymore, like waving his hand or shaking his head. I, I can't remember now. Like, he was, he was done. He didn't want to fight anymore. Yeah, like, you know, the torpedo hit the sub. You're just trying to bail out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, take pity on me. <laughs> Going back to the size thing, though, I hmm, it's hard for me to believe. I, I can accept that he wanted to be bigger on purpose. 
what I what's hard for me to believe just looking at his the quality of his physique is that he went about it intelligently. Like it looked like he just was like, I'm going to eat, period, instead of like, you know, gaining the weight in a meaningful way with muscle and and combination of muscle and fat. It looked like he just he just went, you know, the, the fat route just, just went ham, <laughs> just went full ham. Um, and so maybe once he got in there and yeah, Fader looked great. His physique looked amazing. He was on his toes bouncing. Uh, once he got in there, I think maybe he realized like, ah, you know, this strategy didn't quite work out. I am outmanned, uh, in this, on this particular night. So, you know, curious to see, uh, like I said before, how he, how he comes back in the next fight, but it's not easy to put on that kind of weight and then, and then scale it back down or turn it into, into, into meaningful weight. It's not easy the older you get. So I don't know, man, I don't know what his future holds. Uh, what's crazy. I know I read the reports that he does plan to go back to 205. And I do want to acknowledge, I specifically remember Rampage at a time in his career back in UFC. He said himself that he blows up to near 300 when he's just not caring he's in between fights. And I, I think it was one of the other analysts, they were like, dang, man. Um, it and it was another light heavyweight, too. Who knows what it takes to get down to 205 for light heavyweight. Um, to me, you know what? I think that he knows that's where his body is at its most efficient. Look, no one wants to put in the work. Yes, he's getting a little older. I'm sure the calories don't cut no matter how you work out the same way. But he knows personally, you get a little lighter, you moving a little faster, you feel a little healthier, you're able to catch up to guys, your cardio is just better to keep loading up on those big shots. Uh, I think that that's a better move. Even if he doesn't want to make it down to 205, I want to see him around at least 240. I think this 265, 255 stuff, is, he's just doing himself a disservice. I think yeah. get a little lighter. Get around the frame, you know, the Fedor Emelianenko size. You could still be a very big threat, and you could cut a lot of that that might be slowing him down a little bit at this stage. I agree. He needs to uh, re uh, rejigger his weight plan. I will say this: enjoy your holiday, though, Rampage. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but don't listen to us. What do we know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm I'm not on a diet. Yeah. But um, no. So I, I I'll get that out of the way. Uh. I was, I'm not going to lie, I believed it when Fedor said he was retired. First round knockout, Saitama Arena, I mean, put a nice bow on it. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. Um, what are your thoughts on just, hey, he says he's still good fighting, two more at least. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, be I believe him. I think I think maybe he, not that he's one to get carried away with emotion, but maybe he, he did a little bit and thought, oh, this would be a great way to end things. But, yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be like a retirement tour, right? And so I can see why you really would just want to want to stop right right here in that moment. You're, you're in Japan. That's that's your, your territory as far as your fight career goes. And it's a win against a really big name, a legend of the sport. But, but you know, he's got obligations to finish it out. So... You know, I think we'll definitely see him again, and uh, and that's it. But man, it's hard to 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 face the pressure of two more fights when you end when you have that first fight of your retirement tour go the way it did. Yeah, and uh, I do want to acknowledge that the translator himself says it was a miscommunication, and he just flubbed it in front of 
everybody, which... Um, That's a big know, mistake to make. <laughs> it's, it's okay, Steve Harvey. It happens to the best of us. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I mean, I think Fedor... If I'm being honest, he's a he, once again he doesn't show it. I think he wants to kind of go until the wheels fall off. I think that you know what, if I could fight two more times, why not? Because the day is gonna come where I'm not fighting anymore, and you know, it, I, I get. I think he just really wants to get out there and do it. He feels like he could fight, win or lose, and that's what means more to him rather than you know, maybe this quote fantasy of you know. I'm going to go back and I'm going to win gold again. I think that he is a guy who just really wants to go out there and do it until he can anymore. And, you know, he still feels he's competitive, which, you know, is his prerogative. Uh, he doesn't have anything to prove. So if they want to keep matching him up with guys like Rampage, by all means, go for it. I have no idea who they're going to pick next. I'm very interested to see where they might go now. But um, for now, you know, Fedor reigns supreme once again. And I think that's a very fun idea going into 2020. Um, let's talk about everything else on the card. It was kind of Bellator kind of just laid a smackdown on Ryzen, if I'm being honest, which wasn't supposed to be the case. There were a couple late replacements and, um, you know, it was going to be a couple Bellator versus Bellator. Michael Chandler, first round knockout, MVP, second round knockout. Gyoto Yamauchi had a, <coughs> I want to say it was the submission, just a very, very fun card. What were your takeaways from the, from the main card and the highlights? Yeah, Chandler, it was, it was cool to see Chandler, you know, he, he made nice quick work of, um, oh boy, I, was, I can't remember his name. No, I got you. Um, well, I picture his face, he had like a bald head and the beard, but he made nice quick work of him. Oh no, that's MVP's opponent, sorry. You know what? It was a late I'm, replacement. It was a I'm late not replacement. Sleeping, I'm not sleeping a lot lately. <laughs> no. I can say that. But yeah, it, I really thought it was it was good for Chandler uh, to get the win and uh, and to do it in a in a quick, efficient, like memorable Sydney fashion. Sydney Outlaw. That's it. Thank you, Sydney Outlaw. I thought that was such a cool name. Um, yeah, man. I mean, he he was eating some leg kicks, and they made me a little bit nervous. But he landed that punch right over the ear. And, uh, you know, um, Big John and, and Goldie rightly pointed out that's basically the, the shot he ate that, that lost him um, his belt. And uh, so it was good redemption for him. I think the second shot on Outlaw was like on the back of the head. But, you know, he was falling. His head was moving. And it doesn't matter at that point. But uh, I was happy to see Chandler get the win. And I think it's what he needed to get his confidence back. Moving on to MVP. You know, super entertaining, right? Like MVP when he can deliver is really great MMA. He did all his, he pulled out all his bag of tricks, the flying knee, the the striking while moving backwards. In fact, that's how he knocked out his opponent. But um, it does make me think, right? Because the more I I look at him and think about his loss to Lima, I wonder how would he do in you know in the in the UFC against the top five in that division? And I wonder that a lot, especially after this fight, because his opponent wasn't really giving him much to work with. So that was my, my bigger takeaway apart from really enjoying the fight. It was thinking like next, next level for MVP. Does he have what it takes? You know, he's got all these fancy moves, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's a complete MMA fighter yet. So, so, you know, will we ever see him really, really get tested? I don't know. And, uh, 
Go yeah, ahead. go for it. No, no, no that, that was kind of it. That, on, that was my big thing. On the MVP thing, I had this talk um, on the guys at SureDog. I was on their podcast. And one of the things they said is, is he being handled correctly? And I brought up the point. Do you really want to see MVP taking on a wrestler night in and night out? You no. know what you want to see, yeah, respectfully. Um, now, don't get me wrong. If you're going to put him with a guy like Neiman Gracie or the Ed Ruths of the world and you know some of these guys who, okay, slamming you down and putting a beating on you there, that's a quite different story if we're being honest. And you know he's faced a lot of guys who, quite bluntly, are okay trying to take his head off as well. And we're all here for it. Um, I'm with you because I think that it comes down to style matchups. What is Bellator trying to do? Um, you don't, you know, you want to have exciting matchups. That being said, uh, when I think about MVP, it's kind of like, who's there? Lorenz Larkin, who by the way, had another impressive fight. Uh, that's a great matchup for him. I talked about Andre Koreshkov, former champion, um, trilogy with Lima. That's a guy maybe pushes uh, his skills a little bit, but is still happy to stand with him. So there are options. I understand people want to see him take on somebody. I'd like to point out, a lot of these fights, he's been on a lot of the European cards, which quite bluntly didn't really air to our benefit here in the U.S. You know, so it's he's kind of gotten a bit of the showcase treatment, which I appreciate the fact that he wants to stay active. I mean, this is that was his fifth fight in 2018, sorry, 2019 for crying out loud. But I do think moving forward, you have to show that you're ready for Douglas Lima. <coughs> and I don't think that you get there and you make that fight a credible one unless you fight one of these other big name guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's making easy work of a so-so opponent it's it's not enough not enough these days not enough in the ufc and it's not enough in bellator because they really you know up their game their top their top fighters are legit and uh yeah we're gonna need to see a little bit more from mvp before we put him in those uh in that class i think who would you want to put him up with wonderboy thompson or israel adesanya Um, let's use our imagination. Come on. Yeah. I think for <laughs> the, the hype, the marketing, you know, the lead up to the fight, I want to see him against Izzy because the two of them talking back and forth and then them doing their thing in the cage with Izzy winning, of course, coming out on top, I think would be really, really exciting. Um, wonder boy is just super nice and chill. And so, so it would be an exciting fight, but if we can get a more well-rounded package, that would be with uh, with Izzy for sure. I just wish Izzy wasn't so much bigger because that would be so epic. But um, <laughs> I think Wonder Boy, I think, you know, like come out in like that, you know, old school, like the ninja with the throwing stars and the samurai sword behind him and just say, you know what, we're about to use our kung fu and just make it a lot of fun. I think that could be epic personally. You know, they're about the same size. They like to fight long, hands low, very precise. I'm here for it. Yeah, the, the, the stance, the, the hand position, the, that's like basically identical. The only thing that uh, MVP has over, over Wonder Boy, well, a few things, is the flying knees, which Wonder Boy doesn't really, I don't 
think I've ever seen him use. And the uh, the dancing in the cage. Wonder Boy doesn't do that. So. Yeah, he kind of is a little Anderson Silva in that way. He's trying to let the mentality just get to you. But um, no, it's uh, it's definitely quite something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, let's talk a little bit about some other stuff. The PFL had their uh, season-ending championships. No surprise, the big one, Kayla Harrison gets the job done, um, becomes a millionaire, wins the belt. We had some repeat winners, Nathan Schultz. You had Lance Palmer, who's been putting in work over there in PFL. Um, some new guys, Emiliano Sordi, for example. <coughs> Sorry, I'm still getting over a bit of cold. But um, no, just quite the, uh, quite the, I, I guess, how do I put it? The regular season can sometimes be epic in the cage, but then the season finale, because they're so evenly matched, sometimes it just seems like, man, no one wants to make a mistake, and then you have a very slow-paced fight. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that it, it's like I was saying the same thing watching it. It's like I really want to love PFL and, and get out. You know, I was really on board with season one and excited when season two came back, but there's something about the, the finale, the climax where you're waiting for all these, you know, fights to see themselves to, uh, to come to fruition. And yeah, it's like, there's almost too much on the line and the pressure is way too high that everyone's just like, Oh, okay. You know, so I was glad that we got a couple of good ones in there. Like, um, like Ray Cooper, you know, exciting fights that, that, gave us what we want to see in a tournament and a finale but yeah it does get a little bit uh a little bit quiet <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the cage i did hear this someone tweeted it out and they said um about lance palmer they said like you know people talking about well he could try a little more stuff and then they were like yo do you realize how hard it is for a guy like lance palmer to get a million dollars and someone <laughs> wrote bro don't listen to them. You go out there and you secure the bag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I cannot disagree because that's two in a row for him. And, and it's clearly like, why it's mess working. with it? Uh, I, I do like the idea of Brendan Lofnan kind of gunning for him now. The Everything that happened at Contender Series. So I like it. I like a little bit of conflict in the PFL. I'm not going to lie. Um, Kayla Harrison... I think the biggest thing is that she has help to carry season three with uh, Rory McDonald coming in. <clears throat> um, you know what? I, I don't know how I feel about them trying to do the Sarah Kaufman thing again. What about you for her? Well, first of all, you read my mind there with Rory. I, I agree. I think that, you know, she did what she does best, winning, sort of grinding slowly, building her MMA toolbox. And I think the signing of Rory will help make her a bigger name. Uh, it was actually really cool to see him. And, you know, he's just calm and and <laughs> quiet as ever on the mic there talking to uh, to Randy Couture. But, um, yeah, as far as Sarah Kaufman goes, you're going to have to fill me in. What's uh, what, are their, what are they planning for her and Kayla Harrison? Well, I mean, that was the final they wanted, right? Because Sarah oh, of Kaufman, yeah, yeah. UFC, Strike Force, and... That was going to be her biggest threat to Kayla Harrison, right? Because she has so much more experience. Yeah, but <laughs> we saw what happened. I, I, I guess my whole thing is, it's not that Sarah probably knows more MMA than Kayla. It's the fact that the, it's the size. 
I hate to say it, but it is not as simple as your skill. It's like there's a reason why there's weight classes nowadays, man. I'm sorry. And um, quite bluntly, that's such a big jump. And you see that in Sarah Kaufman. Um, Kayla Harrison cuts a lot of weight, uh, looks like, to make 155. So to me, I guess having that be like the storyline again, the end goal, doesn't really do it for me like it did this year with that in mind which now for me you know goes back to my point who do they pull for season two or sorry season three i'm gonna hit you with the curveball real quick natalie if something happens with the usc featherweight division isn't this now a great time to start you know sending out offers if you're pfl like oh, I'll, yeah. I'll say this imagine if they cut it and you have megan anderson on the free agent market to fight Kayla Harrison. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and I'm, if I'm, if I'm PFL, I might even go talk to the UFC and say, look, let us buy your, let us buy whatever featherweights you have left. Cause what's the point in keeping that division open? I go back to the same thing. Every time when you look at the UFC's roster of rankings, it just says Amanda Nunes on it. So, you know, let's get creative. Bellator, uh, I'm sorry, uh, one and UFC got creative with Ben Askren and, um, uh, Demetrius Johnson, Bellator does cool stuff with Ryzen. Like, why not put it out there? Let let me buy your featherweight division, buy out the contracts, um, because it does the UFC no good to have these women sitting there. You know, you can still. Uh, the only benefit is being able to say Amanda Nunes is the double champ, right? But what good does that do? Dude, Jermaine Durandamy didn't even want to fight her at 145 because there's no division to defend against once you win the belt. So I do like the idea of of PFL going, getting creative to find their, their next or opening up a 145 division, getting creative, or at least getting those fighters, those women who are already a little bit bigger and moving them up to 155 because it, it is a tough division to fill. And Kayla Harrison, like that physique, that musculature that she's been building her entire life as a judoka, like it's going to be hard to find someone else that can, that can compete effectively in MMA at that weight class. Uh, Sarah Kaufman. Yeah. She just put on, you know, probably didn't have time to bulk up properly, so probably did it more with food than with weights. And maybe this time around she'll have better luck building up her body. But, yeah, I agree. It's not super interesting to tell that story again because unless her size changes dramatically. And and otherwise, like, it's just going to be Kayla Harrison overpowering Sarah Kaufman the way Pacheco did. So they're going to have to do something. I don't know what. I don't know where you're going to find these women at this size. Personally, I love your idea. I think that is some outside-the-box thinking. I like it. I think that PFL should, you know, the powers that be, you know what, just try it. What's the yeah, worst that could ask. happen? Right. <laughs> I mean, I like that would be, I love that idea personally. No, but um, good stuff. Uh, final note on the PFL, obviously the big one, Ray Cooper versus Rory McDonald. Uh, contrast in styles, contrast in a bit of personality. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's an amazing fight because Rory is this calm, you know, very, um, now new, newfound religious man. And, but when he gets in there he still, even though he had that little mm, dip with, um, or Tranklin or no, with, um, Fitch, Fitch, Fitch he still has that like red King, drive i think in the cage so it's going to be really fun to see how he reacts to ray cooper who's who's wild who lunges who charges who swings 
Um, and let's see if Rory can neutralize him, if he can keep distance, if he can be effective. You know, Cooper did get hurt in this fight yesterday against Michaud. Um, I thought he was looking a little grim for him there, but he recovered and then ended up landing that killer body shot. So he's got he's got grit. He has power. He has that wild man energy. But as far as skills go, I think I think he has sort of stopped developing, stopped evolving. Rory obviously is the opposite. So I think it's going to be fun because it's going to be like what wins out in the cage, personality or skill set? I don't know. I think that um, I, I think it's fun. I like the fact that they've got a bit of a story going on. Um, I think that, yeah, you're, you're very right. And I think that Ray Cooper's another guy. Look, I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And also I like that he's going for more t- takedowns. I think that he's aware that just makes him a bigger threat. If, if I'm being honest, I wish more guys took that approach. I think you'd have uh, some heavy hitters winning a lot more fights. So um, he's a big threat to Rory McDonald with the power. With the aggression, I don't think he's afraid of Rory at all, which is a big deal. Um, then if you're Rory, this is kind of like, you know, I don't want to say the last hurrah, but this is you reestablishing everything. You know, I think that he's on a tour to try to win everything that's not in the UFC, to be honest. Um, so he's already claimed Bellator gold. If he were to win a PFL title, I think that would be fantastic. And really just um, what more can you really add to that? Um I mean, I, I'm with you on everything else in terms of how they develop. I think that they just got a couple more things working, but it's just a great storyline going into 2020, and I'm sure that we'll see it well enough. They're going to put them on opposite ends of the bracket like they did um, Harrison and Kaufman, and then we'll see if we can make that happen in the finals. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Ray Cooper. Like Every time they show his home gym, I think, like, does he really – is that really does does he really just train there like that's incredible and it seems like he does in his garage with his brothers if it ain't broke don't fix it natalie that's right no but um good stuff uh earlier they also had the ryzen 20 card that one okay i'm not gonna lie it was in the middle of the night i was keeping up before i went to bed on twitter it is hard to find clips, uh, you know, uh, e- as easily accessible in the West and the scheduling. But I want to acknowledge, I heard they went bonkers. I heard they went bananas. <laughs> uh, I wrote it down. Which fight was it? Um, Ojukubu and Ishiwatari, they freaking just beat the daylight out of each other. There was some good, nice, family-friendly soccer kick violence going on. Um, It was just a lot of fun, and I want to acknowledge that, you know, they could well have had the event of the year. It just, you know, it's hard to get people to watch more MMA, especially at 2 a.m. I think think that's correct. Although I might have actually been up at 2 a.m., but uh, didn't have the wherewithal to to watch the fights. You're doing something more important, like, you know, (laughs) taking care of new life. Yeah, that that for sure is uh, is taking precedent at least now. By the way, where is he? Where while we do these shows? So my husband's still on 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 break right now. So he's watching Little Joe in the other room. And uh, last I saw him, he was sleeping. I don't know if he is still asleep, but I'll find out when I go outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, thank you for giving us your time. <laughs> no man, I'm happy to have the, uh, the time to talk MMA. It's great. 
It's like, no, Gabriel, this show needs to go on. Yeah, I can't go back to the battle piece. yet. <laughs> no, but um, good stuff. So, look, Ryzen, a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll find some stuff and we'll build everything into our end of the year award consideration. Um, some MMA news. We have an addition to the big UFC 249 card. Of course, being headlined by that one fight. Y'all know which fight it <laughs> which is. <fight? laughs> Y'all know which one it is. Hmm. But uh, Jacare Souza going back down to 185 to take on Uriah Hall. Jacare obviously coming off the loss at 205 pounds to Jan Blahovich. Uriah Hall is on the two-fight win streak with his last victory coming against Antonio Carlos Jr. in September by split decision. Um, they're not the co-main event, but they are expected to be on the main card on April 18. Uh, Natalie, any thoughts on this one? Well, I'm always excited to see Jacare. It does concern me when you know fighters that are a little bit longer in the tooth start doing this dance with the weight classes. You know, up one, try it out, doesn't work out, go back down. But I'm happy to see him fight always. Uriah Hall is one of those those UFC fighters, MMA fighters that. Yeah, you know, sometimes he's on and then most of the time he's not. And he had a lot of promise at the beginning and then kind of just petered out. So well, that's actually part of why I like this fight, because I'm hoping that it'll give Jacare a win, that he'll be able to to get a win here, or at least have a good fight um, and get get some of his confidence back. Because, you know, he's he's always so close, man. He's always so close, but just can't quite get there. Yeah, to me, I think that this is a great one for him in terms of stylistically. Um, he's uh, Uriah Hall is a guy who stylistically, historically, you feel is easier to get to the ground. Obviously, the jiu-jitsu advantage. Uriah Hall, he's a guy, he's had a lot of ups and downs, but you, everyone knows just how much he is capable of. So it's a fun fight. I think it's a good one for Jacare. At 185, um, and also Dana White apparently said <coughs> he cleared the speculation. Yes, they are working on Yol Romero versus Adesanya. I mean, to me at 185, it's like, you know what? The door isn't shut. In all honesty, if it's, uh, you got uh, Romero, Kenanier, uh Costa. After that, you know, put it this way, I don't see all three of those guys actually making it to the title shot. I do feel like one of them's going to run into the other. That just opens the door for Jacare, in my opinion. So I know it's tough. I know, you know, we've kind of said it. Did he just catch fire at the wrong time to get the title shot? I wouldn't shut the door. And I think a good win over Uriah Hall, it does put him in a good spot for the rest of this year. So I'm very excited for it stylistically and with the bigger implications. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the, those names at the top are always sort of circling the prize, you know, and, uh, and that's just, that's just how good they are. And that's, that's sort of how that division's been sometimes sort of like the heavyweight division division where like the same people are just always in the mix, you know? And yeah, Jacare shouldn't be ruled out of there just yet. Yeah, but a lot going on. Obviously, we'll get more on that and get in-depth on who do we think is going to win as the fight gets closer. Natalie, next year... Sorry, next week. It's a bad <laughs> habit. What can I say? We will have the MMA Daily 2019 End of the Year Awards. To give you guys a preview, we will be voting on the fight of the year, the male fighter of the year, 
the female fighter of the year, and all your favorites, knockout submission. We'll talk about what was the best story, what was the craziest story in the year in mixed martial arts. We'll have plenty to go over. I'd love to tell you I'm like Ariel Hawani and we'll have a million guests on his cool little show, but I don't have that kind of ESPN cheddar, so we'll just be hanging out and talking with you guys, and I hope that'll be good enough. But, Natalie, I could say this. I've already thought long and hard about a lot of these categories. What about yourself? Do you feel like you know who you've got in mind as I give you the list? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's it's easy, but then it's tough because it's always like, at least for my brain, it's what have you done for me lately? So I'm thinking of the fights in you know, the last quarter um, right away, but I really want to go back and make sure I'm not forgetting or ignoring something <laughs> that happened at the beginning of the year because a lot of crazy stuff happens. So it's going to be a little tricky, I think, but I'm excited. Yeah, I think that there's, uh, there's a couple front runners that kind of the, stole the show late in the year. I think that... Um, some of the early ones face some late competition, for sure. But I think at the, when you look at a big picture, I think that there were a couple standout moments that, you know, are going to be nice for us to revisit. So I'm excited. That will be next week. And then, of course, we, you know, it is not lost on any of us. The return of the Notorious taking on D Donald Cowboy Cerrone. We will be back to talk about all of that when the time comes probably two weeks from now. For now, Natalie, happy 2020. I hope you and Joe and the fam have a happy new year. I wish you all the best. I wish you all the sleep you could get as a new mom. <laughs> and really just, you know what? Another year doing this show. Thanks for joining me, sister. Yeah, man. Happy new year to you too. Thank you for the well wishes. Right back at you. And I, I think we all could use some good some good sleep. So I'm sending some sleep vibes your way too. Oh, thank you so much. I need it. <laughs> Not as much as I'm sure you do, but I, I'll take a few. No, but um, guys, we will be back next week. And until then, have a good one.